Good evening, everyone. It is an honor and a privilege to begin and end the Lord's Day in the company of our fellow believers. What a joy. God has created the evenings for joy, it says in his Psalms. Uh, <clears throat> notices, if you didn't hear this morning, uh, there will the, the exit gate is locked shut. Don't attempt to drive through it. You can just go out the entrance gate. If you have any uh, business here in the church during the week, in the evening, then um, uh, in, make sure you leave that exit gate shut um, because it's, they're, they're, uh, they've got a hose running across it so that we can water the, uh, the plants. Uh, not that they need much irrigation today. Um, if you are able, please uh, stand and hear the call to worship from Psalm 31, verses 21 to 24. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Heavenly Father, Oh, Heavenly Father, how we see it time and time again in, in your holy word, how you lift up the humble and you throw down the proud. Lord, we come before you in your presence, you who are the greatest, the most majestic, most supreme, most highest, but who above all is humble, one who crouches down, as it were, to condescend to be with sinful men and women, like us. We thank you for the provision of your son. We thank you for his righteousness, which covers our sin and means we can enter into your presence without shame to worship you. Lord, we pray that our worship would be acceptable in your sight this evening because we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, let's sing to the Lord. The words of the hymn, Rock of Ages.
be seated. Now in, in our order of service, we are reading through the Bible together as we always do on an evening through the narrative portions of scripture. And our chapter before us this morning is 1 Samuel 2. I think this church has recently gone through a Samuel's preaching series, so you'll see it with experienced eyes. First Samuel chapter 2. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah, and the boy was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. The custom of the priests with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand, and he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, all that the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And if the man said to him, let them burn the fat first, and then take as much as you wish, he would say, no, you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with a linen ephod, and his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah 
and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked of the Lord. So then they would return to their home. Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters, and the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. Now Eli was very old, and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all these people. No, my sons, it is no good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, subject to the house of Pharaoh? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? I gave to the house of your father all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel. Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest part of every offering of my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house. Then in distress you will look with envious eye on all the prosperity that shall be bestowed on Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. The only one of you whom I shall not cut off from my altar shall be spared to weep his eyes out, to grieve his heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die by the sword of men. And this that shall come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be the sign to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest, who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. And everyone who is left in your house shall come to implore him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread, and shall say, Please put me in one of the priest's places, that I may eat a morsel of bread." This is the word of the Lord. We see from page one in scripture all the way to the end and into eternity we'll see that God raises up the humble and he throws down the proud. And none of us, none of us would have been raised up for our own humility 
except that we are found and covered in the righteousness of the one who, though he was equal with God, did not see equality with God as something to be grasped, but instead humbled himself. Our great King and High Priest, Jesus Christ, the one who is truly humble and the one who was exalted and given the name above all names. It is in him that we will receive the great inheritance. Now let's come before the Lord in a time of prayer, of intercession.
Now oh, we have a children's talk. Do we have any children? We've got what? Oh, we've got three. One, two, maybe two. Three. Lovely. Boys. Good to see you. Now, uh, so let's say uh, it's Sunday morning. It's time to come to church. You're uh, getting ready, but um, you got dirt on your face. I don't know. You brought some dirt with you into bed and then you left it on your pillow. You rolled over in the night. Now it's all over your face. I didn't think this through. But you've got dirt in your face and it's a Sunday morning. Now you don't know it's there, right? Because it's on your face. Because no one can see their face. They can try. I can see the bridge of my nose here. How are you going to know that you've got dirt on your face apart from somebody telling you? Okay, three. Yell it all at once. <laughs> okay, very good. You've done this before. So we're all sinners, right? We all, we've all broken God's holy law. If we haven't done it outright in public where people can see, we've done it in our heart and done it in our brains, right? The sin in our life is sort of like dirt on our face. But the thing about sin is that we're so blind is that often we can't see it. But there is something which is like a mirror that can help us to see that dirt in our face. It's the Holy Scriptures. It's like a mirror in that when we read it, and when we read about the God who is described in Holy Scripture, and what he's like, and what he's done for us, we can see that we're not really as good as we think we are. We see and we confess with the church from the beginning of time that we've all got dirt on our faces. Bad news. But of course we know, we know that Jesus came to, you know, he came, he came. <laughs> Jesus came, he took all of our dirt, and, and, then, and then he took it all from us. He covered us with his cleanness, I don't know, soap. He, cl he cleanses us free. And the way, we, the way we access that cleaning and the way we see it is by reading scripture. And by praying to the God who speaks through scripture. So let's pray. Heavenly Father. How can we even pray to you? We've got dirt on our faces. Lord, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to take away our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we can enter into your house clean and properly dressed and that we can know that whatever happens, you are going to be for us. You're going to love us, that we can call on you as our rock and our redeemer. Lord God, we, uh, we pray for these three young men. Lord, we pray that they'll grow up strong. We pray that they'll grow up upright. Lord, we pray that they would be a great blessing to the church. And we pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you. Uh, if everyone will please stand, we are going to sing As the Deer Pants for the Water. singing there is a redeemer
standing for the blessing of the offering. Keith Green, he was taken too soon. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us everything. You give us, you give us every breath. Lord, you, um, you give us every, every resource we have, our strength, our money, our time. And Lord, is our delight and our privilege and joy to turn and give it to you. Lord, we give it to you joyfully and we give it to your church that your work may, uh, may proceed in this place. Lord, we know that you'd do it without us, but Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be used as instruments in your hands. We pray for blessing over this money, that it would be used with wisdom and with reverence. We pray that it would lead to a great harvest of souls in this uh, part of your creation. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, John. Please be seated. So before we invite uh, Pastor Ejimar up, we'll read uh, the, the text for his sermon. It is Psalm 19, verses 11 to 14. It says in the order of service, verses 11 to 17. Uh, that's my fault. Uh, because there is no, <laughs> there is no 17. <clears throat> Let us read. Uh, we'll read from verse 1, just for context. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Our sermon text this evening from verse 11. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
okay here? Okay. Hello, family. <laughs> uh, it is a pleasure uh, to be here one more time. Um, it's a hard challenge for me because uh, our English uh, still limited. Uh, but uh, my desire is that God uh, speak with us in this evening. Uh, thank you one more time, uh, everyone. Uh, we are, oh, I am grateful uh, for everyone because everyone here are teachers uh, in our lives, uh, teaching uh, us this hard language. <laughs> yes, when we arrived here, uh, I remember that someone uh, approached uh, to us and uh, asked us, uh, "How long have you been have have you been here?" Uh, and our answer was, "Ah, oh, my name is Sejimar. Nice to meet you." <laughs> but now I can understand something. <laughs> no much, but uh, yes, we can we can uh, uh, understand uh, better this this language. Thank you for you for your help. Um, because uh, we are improving this language. Um, brothers and sisters, uh, this will be the third and final sermon in this text, Psalm 19. We saw that this psalm presents us with three languages of communication through which God seeks a relationship with us. Uh, the first language is... Creation itself. Through it, God shows us that He exists and is the Creator. When we lost the ability to recognize Him in creation because of our sins, God gave us a second language. Uh, the second language is the Word of God. Uh, in it, he reveals to us who he is, who we are, and how we can return to communion with him. But we still have a third language. What is this language? The language is, the third language is prayer. The third language is prayer. While in the first language, God communicates with all humanity. And in the second language, God communicates with his chosen people. Through prayer, through prayer, prayer God wants to have an individual, personal, and exclusive interaction with you and me. Even if we pray with other people, prayer will always, uh, sorry, um, uh, will always be personal and intimate, intimate. In prayer, it is always you and God. If through creation and the word, God wants to share with us more and more of himself through prayer, God wants us to share more and more of ourselves with Him. God knows everything about us, but God is pleased uh, when we pray and He is exalted 
when we open our hearts to him. He wants us to trust him as father and open our hearts to share with him our life, our gratitude, our desires, our struggles, and our needs. This is the third language present in this passage. We will talk about it, but first, I would like to pray, asking God in prayer to guide us and expose us to His Word. Therefore, let's pray, family. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for this time in your presence. Thank you because we are before your word and we need to understand what is your message for us. Please, Father, we need to listen your voice, speaking to our hearts and uh, transforming our lives according to Jesus Christ. We need this. Please, Father, give us your blessing through this message. Help us. Help me to uh, explain your word and help each one here uh, with your Holy Spirit to understand this message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, brothers and sisters, God wants to have a personal and intimate relationship with us in which he speaks to us, but also expects us to speak to him. The word of God was given to us to move us toward him, to bring us back, back to the arms of God, so that we can once again uh, have communion with him. And the first response we can give to God when faced with his movement towards us uh, is revealed in the last part of this psalm. The prayer. The prayer. Commentators agree that David is addressing God in prayer in the last part of this psalm. David establishes, establishes a line of supplications to God individually, crying out for his own life. The big question here is, why does David go from talking about God's revelations to starting to cry out for himself? It's obvious. This happens when we read the word of God and the voice of the Lord enters our hearts with power. We are led to pray, to respond to God to pour our, ourselves into his presence like a baby seeking saved in its mother's arms, wanting to be fed, uh, cared for and protected. According to Charles Spurgeon, prayer is our greatest expression of deep, deep dependence on God. When we stop praying, we become, become arrogant before Him. Arrogant before Him. How important is prayer to us? How important is prayer to us? How much time, time have we dedicated to prayer? 
if we have not dedicated time to prayer, what is the reason? Do you want to have a better relationship with God? So, start praying more. Do you want to improve your prayer life? Life? I hope this reflection can help us with this goal. To do this, we will start with the following question. Why does David begin to pray in this passage? Why? Because he recognizes the gift of God's love. This is the first thing. Because he recognized the gift of God's love. Verse 1. Oh, sorry, 11. It tells us in verse 10 that the word of God is more precious than gold and sweeter than honey. From verse 11, the, he addresses God in prayer. Let's look at verse 11. Moreover, by then is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Notice that he speaks of the word as some, something he experiences. From this verse, he is directing the meditation of his heart to God. Note, by then is your servant, your servant warned. He is addressing the Lord whose servant he is. He is praying. He is praying here. And how does he begin this prayer? Recognizing the gift of God's love as he reveals himself to us through his word. When he reveals himself to us. God shows us who we really are and that he loves us despite this despite the spit despite despite this we need to understand that if we can have a relationship with God it is not because we are good but because he is good and like a father he wants to shape our hearts And work in our lives. This is what uh, we saw in the previous verses talking about the word of God. God's objective in exposing our condition is not to shame us. But to show us that we need his care. Dear ones, dear ones, we often feel bad Because of our pride, we, well, when we are confronted about our imperfections and sins. Do you remember a time when someone approached you and highlighted something negative about your life? Most of the time, or maybe all of the times, it's uncomfortable. Isn't it? Even if it's necessary, no one likes to be confronted. Now look, our God does this constantly in his word. This would be bad and unpleasant if at 
the same time, God did not show us that He is good, full of love, grace, and mercy. David, in this, in this verse, tells us that by the word of God, we are warned. This translation is hotly uh, debated because the Hebrew word is zahar. And could be translated as enlighten, enlighten, admonish, guide, and teach. What this expression wants to show us when used in this passage is that our condition is made evident by our God when we receive His word. That is... What Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11 or 12, sorry, tells us. Pay attention. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to divide, div, division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts, and intentions of the heart. Even though it may seem bad, David, through his own experience, shows us that this is good. Having the word of God in our lives exposing us to the light of truth brings us great reward. What is the great reward? What is when we understand David through the books of Samuel and the Psalms composed by him, we can understand that the main and greatest reward envisioned, envisioned by David is communion with God. Remember that David's great fear expressed in his confession after he sinned against God by taking Bathsheba, uh, Sheba, was that he would lose, lo lose this relationship with God. Psalm uh, 51 verse 11. Pay attention. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. God does not deal with our heart just because we are imperfect and He wants perfect people among His people, but because He wants us to be participants in communion with Him in a personal relationship from father to child. Hebrews 12 verse 10 tells us... Uh, for they, our human fathers, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But He, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. When composing this psalm, David is moved to pray in the last part of this text Expressing before God his recognition of the great benefit of, of having God speaking to him through his word. 
The word that is perfect, reviving the soul, making wise the simple, uh, rejoicing the heart and enlightening the eyes. My beloved brothers and sisters, do we truly understand how blessed by God we are? We need to meditate more on the word and see in it how much God loves us, how many blessings God has uh, showered on us, how God cares, cares for us, how God protects us even from ourselves, from the deceptions, deceptions of our own hearts. We are moved to pray when we, we recognize through the word that we are blessed by God's love. God is our father. He wants us as children and cares for us as children. Is there any greater reason to dedicate more time to God in prayer, in gratitude, for the great reward of having him in our lives, living in his presence and under his paternal care. But we have a second reason why David is led to pray. David is led to pray because he lacks peace in God's forgiveness. Because... He lacks peace in God's forgiveness. Verse 12. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. This is a good question, no? Good question. Are we really uh, able of perfectly discerning all our sins? Dear brothers and sisters, when we understand through divine revelation how privileged, privileged we are to have a relationship with God in our lives, we should be concerned about this. We must fear sin. Augustine of Hippo, one of the great theologians of Patristic, said, I fear sin more than death itself. Sin can separate me from God, but death cannot. Sin can separate me from God, but death, death, death cannot. We are sinners and we must understand that we sin against God all the time. Our sins are not just what we do visible and consciously. We also sin by uh, thoughts that no one can see. We sin with words. We sin in our desires. We sin in our omission. We are sinners. When David thinks about the word of God, he once again turns his eyes to himself and remembers that as a sinner, his life was not exempt from sinning against God. 
His sins were not only conscious and deliberate sins, but also unconscious and unknown ones. We must remember that in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, we are warned about the condition of our hearts. Verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jeremiah seems to echo David's word in this psalm when he talks about the risks of failing in falling into deceptions of one's own heart. In, it is no coincidence that David himself prays, uh, to the, prays to the Lord in Psalm 139, verse 23 to uh, 24. Pay attention. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Only God knows our hearts fully. Only He can unveil, unveil all the particular, particularities of our being, both exposed and hidden. Everything is before the eyes of God. According to Christ's teachings in the Sermon on the Mount, our sinfulness lies not only in what we practice, but also in our thoughts and motivations of our hearts. Every time we read the scriptures, we see how exposed we are before the eyes of God. When can be hypocrites before men and deceive them with the appearance of godliness, but we cannot deceive God. When we pray to the Lord, there is no point trying to convince God of our spirituality because God knows us completely. It is for this reason that many try, many try to deny or ignore the existence of God because they cannot bear the idea of being exposed before him and having to give an account knowing how much debt they owe according to God's standards. Let's think a little. Have you ever thought about what it would be like if your every thought and desire was exposed to everyone at all times, especially the people you love? I think that wouldn't, wouldn't be pleasant at all, would it? Maybe many would abandon, abandon you or no longer see you in the same way. People know we are sinners, but 
they don't know how sinful and terrible we are. And it's better that they don't know because as the saying goes, goes, he who doesn't see doesn't feel. He who doesn't see doesn't feel. But there is a person who sees and knows everything at all times. And even though he is terrible, offended by who we are, by what we desire, think, say, and do, he wants to take care of us and transform us. God knows us, but God wants to care us. It was the understanding of this truth through the, through the word that made David cry out, saying, Declare me innocent from hidden faults. This is a prayer we must pray at all times. Here, the word used by the psalmist to declare me innocent is better translated as purify me. Purify me. David, confronted by God's revealed word, remembering his sinfulness, is crying out for God's forgiveness. My dear ones, do we really understand our condition? Do we understand how sinful we are and how much we need forgiveness from our God? The more we read the word, the more we know God and also ourselves. And the more we know ourselves, the more impelled, impelled we are to run into the arms of God through prayer. John Piper, in his book, Future Grace, tells us that the closer we are to God, the more sinful we feel and the more we seek His grace. We are moved to pray more when we understand that we have offended God and lack peace in God's forgiveness. But for this, we need to read more the Word of God that warns us of our sins. We should pray not because God needs us, but because we need Him. We need our God. We need His pardon. We need His forgiveness. Yet, with us, David begin to pray because he needs God's paternal protection. Because uh, he needs God's paternal protection. Verse uh, 13, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless uh, and innocent, innocent of great transgression. Um, the fish dies through its mouth. The fish dies through its mouth. 
I don't know if you use uh, this saying here in New Zealand, but in South America, it's very common. Uh, this means that the fish gives in to its appetite and seduced, seduced by the easy food, easy food on the hook, it is hooked and killed. We are not very different. We are not very different. We carry within us an appetite for sin, which is what leads us down paths, paths, paths of death. The Bible calls uh, this desire. James chapter 1 verse 14 to 15 uh, tells us, but each person is tempted, tempted, tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. This is hard for me. Death <laughs> brings forth. <laughs> okay. In this part of the psalm, we see how David worries about his own nature. David, from the word of God, understood that there was an unwanted presence, presence in his life that constantly pushed him against God and his will. The presence of sin. The presence of sin. His greatest, greatest fear was the desires that prevailed in the members of his body. He feared that sin would dominate him and harden his heart into darkness. The awareness of this reality through the word pushed him to pray, surrendering his life to God so that God could take control of his impulses. So that God would set the brakes of grace to keep him blameless and innocent of great transgression. Paul mentions this reality in Romans chapter 7 verse 7. When talking about the importance of God's law for understanding our reality. Pay attention. Yet if it had not been for the law I would not have no sin. For I would not have known what it is to COVID, uh, COVID if the law had not said, you show not COVID. When we become insensitive to sin um, in our hearts, it is because we distance ourselves from God and become insensitive to him this state can worsen um, if we do not seek God crying out for help it is no coincidence that Jesus calls us to pray constantly and with vigilance Matthew chapter 26 verse 41 watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed, indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. 
This should be a constant concern in our lives. For this reason, we must consider the importance of continual self-evaluation of our desires and behaviors. Another very good thing is to seek trusting relationships through which we can talk freely and pray about our imperfections, our sins. We are subject to the risk of being dominated by our sins in such a way that we may become spiritually insensitive to them. That is, we no longer feel sadness or shame due to the presence of sin. Brothers and sisters, sins is something, sin is something that must be taken seriously. If we want to understand how terrible sin is in our lives, what we must do is look at the face of Christ hanging on the cross, suffering for each one of them in our place. My dearest ones, unless God puts the brakes on the sinful impulses, of our hearts, we will be dominated by our sin. Thank God for Christ Jesus, because we only do not return to being slaves to sin, because God's grace preserves us from ourselves. David prayed to the Lord for this reason. We must seek God daily in prayer, asking for his protection, because we will be subject to sin daily. Finally, we have one last reason that leads David to pray. Because David wants a life that pleases God. Verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and mouth in the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. There is no desire more sublime than this in a person's life to have a life that pleases the heart of God. We were created to live a life that glorifies our God. This is what we declare in response to the first question of the Westminster Larger Catechism. What is the primary and highest purpose of human beings? The primary, primary and highest purpose of human beings is to glorify God and to enjoy Him completely forever. Dave leaves this request for the end of this composition because he knows that living a life that pleases God, being sinners as we are, is a very difficult thing, if not impossible. This must be the main desire of our hearts, but it's important to recognize that we will always be in debt because as much as we try, all effort 
is still little compared to what is required of us in the word of the Lord. David recognized that the new life resulting from God's word is a great reward. After recognizing this, he asks forgiveness for his sins as evidenced by the light of the word and then asks God to protect him from the sinful impulses of his heart. All this because David understood that the bad thing about life on this earth is to live to please the heart of God. This is the most precious. The last verse of this chapter brings us a statement that leaves us with an air of hope. My Redeemer and my rock. My rock and my Redeemer. What David is doing with this statement is recognizing that he will only have a life that pleases God if he looks to him as his rock and his redeemer. We have seen in previous sermons that in looking at God as his rock and his redeemer, David is looking at the person of Christ. Jesus Christ. He is the great reward of divine revelation because it is only through him that we can have a true relationship with God. He is the one who through his blood can cleanse us from all our sins. He was the one who promised us that he would protect us and that we would be in his hand and that no one can snatch those who live in him from his hands. It is only through him that we can live a life that pleases God. Only through Jesus Christ. The word of God is clear in Matthew chapter 15 Verse 3 to 5. When Jesus said that without him we can do nothing. nothing. Uh, verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear, bear fruit by itself unless... It abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him. He eats that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Tell us Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, because we have Jesus Christ in our lives. This must be our constant desire, to please the heart of God. But we must understand that we will need to fight through prayer, because we carry a great enemy within 
us. Which one is it? Satan? The world? No. The great enemy is ourselves. It is our sin entangled in the members of our body and that needs to be mortified. Needs to be mortified. God gave us prayer so that we might seek Him, so that we might open our hearts and cry out like a son to the Father, like a child to the Father, and He will hear, hear us. He always hear us because He gave us prayer so that we could seek Him and pour our, ourselves out in His presence. Prayer is a great blessing in our lives, brothers and sisters. For this reason, like people of God, we need to take time before His presence and to, uh, to deliver our prayers every time. Like David, after to reflect about the word of God. Like David. My dears, in conclusion, in addition to creation and the word, God also gave us prayer as a language of communication. Prayer is an invitation from God for us to approach Him as children and share with Him who we are. But who we are is an understanding that He Himself gives us in His Word. Dear brothers and sisters, the more we read the Scriptures, the more we understand that we have prayed little. We need to pray more. We need to pray more. As we pray, the truth of God's word received in our minds decant into our hearts, adjusting our lives to the Father's will. When we pray, we express our recognition of who He is and what He has done for us. In prayer, we express our total dependence on Him, on His grace and mercy, on the care and protection of God's hands. David surrendered to prayer because once again, during his meditation, the Word illuminated his heart, moving him to pray. As we read the Word to hear God's voice, and pray to respond to that voice, God shapes us into the image of His Son, Jesus, who stands between us and our God to be our mediator. Let's us pray alone as Jesus did. Let's us pray as a family as the prophets taught, uh, taught us. Let us pray in congregation as the apostles taught us. Let us pray 
at all times as the apostle Paul teaches us. But let us not stop praying. Because to stop praying is to deprive ourselves of communion with our Father and the benefits that this communion brings to our lives. We need to have a prayer's life. To pray every day, all the time, for the glory of our God, but for the blessing in this relation with Him. We are privileged because we have a Father. He made us His children. This is a privilege to us. God invite, invite us every time. Come to me and have a time with me. Open your heart before me, my presence. Because I care your life. I am your father. I have given my son for this opportunity. For this privilege. Jesus poured out, pour out his blood for this opportunity. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this time in your presence. It's good to pray, to speak with you, Father. You are our Father. You are special in our lives. Thank you because your word come to, came to us. And we need to understand this message, Father. We need to... Uh, to be strengthened. We need to be encouraged. Please, Father, help us to live a prayer's life. Please, bless this church. Uh, transform this church more and more in a church uh, of a lot of prayer. Please, Father, Bless our lives individually, like families, and like church. We need to be before your presence every time. Help us. Bless us. Thank you because we can rest in you. We can trust in you. We can hope in you. Thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Rock. In Him we can have this special life with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Please stand. We are going to choose.
standing to hear the benediction. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 to 17. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. God bless you. Thank you.
Thank you.